Because of the violent, wrenching, torrential winds and downpour that was coming down at that time. And, uh, and I noted to myself that it looked uh, as strong as any typhoon I'd ever seen come through here. But of course, this is not typhoon season. So I was wondering what on earth was going on. And uh, the winds persisted for the rest of the day, rain on and off for most of the day. And uh, I did... Uh, in fact, anyone who sees my eye-opener report that was just released on uh, the previews on the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Corbett Report, will, will be able to hear a little bit in the background the rustling of the wind and the shaking of the, uh, the window next to me. And it was uh, quite a storm. And uh, I was looking, even looking at the possibility it was a typhoon for some bizarre reason developing in, in the spring. But, uh, but in fact, no, it wasn't. But it was the strongest storm to hit uh, the uh, Japan and the Tokyo region since 1959. Uh, this from Bloomberg.com. Uh, Japanese airlines canceled hundreds of flights. Some train services were halted and thousands of workers went home early as some of the strongest winds in more than 50 years hit Tokyo today. That's uh, yesterday now, Tuesday, April 3rd. Um, and it's talking about a tornado warning for Tokyo uh, later on today. All sorts of just craziness going on. Absolutely unparalleled storm that apparently has developed from a low-pressure area, a, a rare low-pressure area developing in the, uh, the Sea of Japan. So a very bizarre and unusual uh, weather occurrence happening here. And I note that, uh, of course, it's not just in Japan that the, the very, very wacky weather is hitting. And I'll note that for the uh, the people in Dallas-Fort Worth who might be listening on KHFX 1140 right now, of course, you know that uh, that Dallas was just hit with some some tornadoes and freak weather of its own. And uh, and it's interesting to see, uh, well, it's horrible, horrifying, really, to see some of the, the footage that was coming out of that and the destruction that those tornadoes caused. But interesting to see some of the responses that, of course, are already coming out. For example, what's up with that? What's up with that.com has the story, well, that didn't take long to run the climate is severe weather scare story, talking about how immediately, even during the live commentary by some of the weather channel uh, newscasters who were reporting on these tornadoes, they were talking about how it must be a sign of climate change and these extreme weather events can only mean that the, uh, the world is inevitably progressing towards more and more insane weather and we're all going to die, basically. And uh, what's up with that does a good job of well, hitting the BS alarm on that and pointing to even the IPCC report, and take that for what it's worth, but even the IPCC argues that the scientific literature does not in any way support the idea that weather is necessarily getting crazier or that that is in any way related to the so-called man-made climate change. And uh, But, of course, on the other side of that, I saw some of the YouTube comments on the video for the, uh, the tornado saying that, well, this is clearly harp, harp at work, friends, harp at work. Which, you know, may or may not be true. I'm not here to say it isn't, but once again, I'd like to see the data on that before I immediately start saying that any particular weather phenomenon is definitively caused by some secretive government research program. 
And, uh, and of course, I mean, there, are, there is, I understand the tendency to think that every time someone slips on a banana peel anywhere in the world, there must be some secret government conspiracy behind it. Because certainly there is a lot of, uh, well, the shady dealings that go on in a lot of high places, and we've seen that time and time again. But I think we can get ourselves carried away in this constant fear of what's coming next. And in a big, important sense, that plays into the hands of the people who want to control the system, and more importantly, want to control your minds. So, for example, we have the latest scare story from the AP. Online graphic warns of Al-Qaeda return to NYC. One of the commentators on that article makes a very astute observation that Homeland Security is a business that they are trying to sell to you through fear. So tonight on the broadcast, we're going to try to overcome that fear and find a way around it so that it cannot control you. More with uh, that and tonight's guest right after this. I'm 41 years old, I'm a father, I'm a graphic designer, I'm a teacher, I'm a citizen of Israel, and I need your help. Lately in the news you can hear about the war coming, a big one. Governments are talking about destruction, about self-defense, like this war is not about us. Three days ago I posted a poster on Facebook. The message was simple, Iranian, we will never bomb your country, we love you. Attached to the poster, I wrote a few words. To the Iranian people, to all father, mother, children, brothers and sisters. For there to be a war between us, first, we must be afraid one of each other. We must hate. I'm not afraid of you. I don't hate you. I don't even know you. No Iranian ever did me no harm. I never even met an Iranian, just one in Paris in a museum. Nice dude. I see sometime here on the TV an Iranian. He's talking about war. I sure it does not represent all of the people of Iran. If you see someone on your TV talking about bombing you, be sure it does not represent all of the people of Israel. So within 24 hours, people start sharing the poster on their Facebook. Within 48 hours, the Iranian people start responding to the posters and share back their love to us. Hundreds of messages arriving from Iran telling the Israeli people, we love you back. The day after, we were on TV, on newspaper, proving that the message was traveling, traveling fast. Okay, now we want to make sure that the message reached everybody, not only in the Facebook community, but everywhere. This is a message by the people to the people. So please donate and help us spread this message. Thank you. Well, friends, it's a point that we try to make here often, that it's not the people of these different countries that are being puppeted by the political leaders at the top that we need to be afraid of or that are really in control of uh, dropping the bombs and, and uh, creating the nuclear situations. It's, the, of course, the political puppets who are controlled by the banksters. And the people themselves are definitely not the enemy. So just as in Israel, as in Iran, as in America, as in Japan, as in any other country in the world, the vast majority of the people have no interest in these wars of aggression that don't benefit them in any way. The bloodshed and the carnage that only creates a worse world for all of us, except for those at the very top who like to play on all of the fear and chaos that they create in order to create their new world order. So the point there, I take it for what it's worth. It's a video called We Love You, Iran and Israel. It's up on YouTube. It went up uh, just a couple of weeks ago. It's got over half a million views now. 
And uh, as as that video makes clear, there is uh, a lot of people in Israel, in Iran, in other places that w- don't want any part of these wars of aggression based on fear-mongering and uh, the media distortions of what people are thinking. Of course, uh, no one bothers to consult you or I when they go out on TV and say that uh, we need to have these wars of aggression. So it is good to break through that paradigm and to try to spread a message of love. What could possibly be wrong with that? But then again, take it with a grain of salt at the very end, asking for money to help spread the message. I'm not exactly sure what that means or how that would be used and why they're asking for donations for that. They've already reached through that barrier. So so a lot of things to pick apart there. But let's start getting into tonight's conversation. Tonight we have on the line from Argentina our old friend Mark Russell, a professor of signals processing who has been thinking about these types of issues for a while now. So, Mark, it's great to have you back on the program. Thank you for joining us tonight. Hello, good night, and good morning for everyone out there. And, uh, okay, yeah, uh, what I wanted to say about this video is, well, it touched me very deeply because you're always confronted with this, like, very bad information. And and there is something, like, something something going on. People are waking up and saying, no, I'm, I'm, as, I, as I already said, I'm not going to take it anymore. And there is one word in this video, which is, uh, we don't hate you. And I think that's very interesting. So what do you think? <laughs> Well, uh, you're exactly right. I mean, I think that is the very bottom of this. People have to ask themselves. They can often be led into thinking that warmongering and all of these wars of blood and bloodshed and aggression are somehow in some way part of getting on board and being part of a team and rah, rah, you know, rally around the flag type of situation. And that inevitably happens in wartime. But the base of, of all this, why do we want to be dropping bombs on people that we don't know and don't even hate? We don't even hate these people. Why do we want to drop bombs on them is it just because we're being constantly told about how fearful we should be of these people and i think that's uh, something that we all have to step back and reflect on especially when the media is 24 7 bombarding us with this hatred and vitriol for people that uh, most of us have never even met well actually i want to do a little experiment i'm just going right now you you might listen to me typing in some words on my computer and let's just pick a i don't know like a newspaper an online newspaper and I'm, I'm checking here a German, news, uh, German site, which is called Spiegel, and the first uh, line is the fear of pirates from their own, <laughs> this was just chance, from their own success, you know, the pirate party in, in Germany because they had a success, and the mainstream media starts using the word fear. I, I, I must be honest, I didn't look this up. I was just going to do the experiment. First word I find is fear, and yeah, there you have it, and uh, so, uh, if you, but if you look like at what the media used to be like 10 years ago, 20, 30 years ago, uh, you check the, um, how do you say this, the archives and you can, you can find that it wasn't like that always. And even if you go to archive.org, you know, that website that lets you visit, um, like snapshots of newer websites on, on early times, like you can, I think it's, it's up till 97, 1997, and you just look at the news from like 15 years ago. It didn't used to be like that. It was like everything was more relaxed. Everybody's like, oh, oh my God, you have to do, he's going to bomb us, and this guy is doing that, and you have to be careful, and you're going to be mucked, and you have to be so afraid. Uh, why? That's the really interesting question. And what is fear? So that, that's, that's like very interesting because I'm, I'm a, in, in engineering, I, I have nothing to do with psychology, but. But I think there is something very interesting there. And, uh, yeah, so that's, that's tonight's topic. And uh, let's see what comes out of this. 
Well, you're exactly right to point out the way that this is encoded into the language and everything that's uh, that's put out to us in the media. And just uh, following up on your experiment there, I'm on the front page of uh, the Spiegel International, and uh, they have uh, German military fears for Afghanistan future, uh, easing fears, a lonely missionary in the Fukushima radiation zone. There's the logistical nightmare of leaving Afghanistan. There's all these words encoded with fear in so many different stories that uh, absolutely it's a good way of gaining people's attention and making them click because we all have that survival mechanism if there's something that we have to be afraid of it's something that we have to we have to know more about so it's a great way to get grab people's attention and get them thinking about something and uh, and unfortunately the media exploits that to the absolute max but it wasn't like this all the time so that's important it's new this are you sure what, about that though? Yeah. i mean is that uh, is that i mean something... 50 years ago go 50 years ago and check the archives and there is some you will be very surprised very surprised. It's been like escalating, but it didn't used to be like that always. But well, maybe, maybe you're right. <laughs> but not, not on the level we're at today, that's what I mean, okay? Okay, yeah. Yeah, well, I'll, so, I'll go along with that. <laughs> okay, yeah, but you're, you're probably right. Yeah, that was my, my bad. So what are you afraid, James? <laughs> what am I afraid What are of? you afraid? Uh, I have, I, I, I'm afraid of quite a lot of things, but I, just a question, just like chit-chat then. Uh, I guess, I mean, the types of subjects that I cover are ones that concern me. Um, and, and I don't know if fear is the right word for that. I don't know if fear is something that we should even be applying in this context when we talk about um, uh, the transhuman agenda, for example, that we've talked about before, or uh, the bioethicists and the eugenics agenda, or the police state, or things like that. I'm not sure if fear is even the right word for that. Fear, I equate more with the types of phobias and things that people have or, or being scared of the dark or something like that. This is something more that's that's looking at a problem, trying to analyze a problem. And when we look at it from that perspective, the obvious thing to look at is, well, then what's the solution? What can we do about that problem? Which puts it in a completely different realm than simply saying, I am afraid of something. Well, I, I used to have a lot of fears personally, because uh, just very simple fears. Like I used to be afraid of people. Uh, that, that, that happened to me, and uh, now it's it's like going away. It's it's not hundred percent, but I, I confess that. Okay, so it's very simple. But uh, usually, what we want to talk tonight is about like the kind of fears, like the the ones that matter on a global scale. Like when you want to change um, something in the in the way politics are done, or you want people to do something, or to get to accept something, well, then you you make them very afraid. And, uh, for example, suppose you're in a restaurant and you start, like, talking to everybody and screaming and saying, hey, you, you wake up and do something. And uh, most people don't even count this as a possibility because that's like, oh, my God, he's he, I can't do this. This is like, and you're limiting yourself. Now, now I, I'm not suggesting that you do this, of course, but I'm just trying to show you that there are some things that limit you. So, So one ingredient of fear must be limitation, like, uh, something, uh, how do you say this, like um, containing you, like uh, having, getting you in a bubble and so you're, oh, I'm afraid and you, you just stay in there and you're not able to express yourself to change things, to create, to do what you love doing. And, uh, well, so let me I, just, I, let me just yeah. interrupt you there. That's an extremely important example right there because so many people do have a fear of speaking in public or speaking in some sort of public forum. And it's interesting that one of the most fundamental fears that is shared by a vast majority of the population is the fear of expressing themselves. Yeah, that's, that's true. But there's also some other fears, like I think, which are important. Like, um, for example, you know, the New World Order, the economic collapse, and 
uh, for example, you, a lot of people who are waking up realize I, I, that, that was my experience. I mean, when I, when I started reading about all, all these things and uh, uh, hearing like uh, news channels, alternative news channels, I was like, I was very afraid. I was like, oh my God, this is happening and nobody's realizing this and, and I'm, I'm, this is completely a lost cause and there's nothing I can do. And I changed my point of view so much that I just think uh, that's, that was fear. That was actually fear and that's the mechanism of fear working as it as it has to to work, uh, which is like limiting you, containing you, and uh, that's how you accept things. Now, now I'm I'm just talking like for example, you could also uh, talk about fear of the illumina illuminati and fear of each other. Like you're, um, I don't know, walking on the street. I live here in Buenos Aires. This is a quite large city, and I notice people are very afraid here of each other. Like. People are like uh, very like uh, crispy. How do you say this? Like wow. People are afraid you know of interaction. Interesting. Well, we'll hold it there. We'll be right back after these messages. I ain't got no home. Ain't got no shoes. Ain't got no money. Ain't got no class. Ain't got no skirts. We may not have a lot, friends, but at least we have each other. So thank you once again for tuning in. This is Corbett Report Radio right here on republicbroadcasting.org. I'm your host, James Corbett of CorbettReport.com. Tonight we're talking to Mark Russell, a professor in Argentina. We're talking about fear and overcoming fear. And, of course, if you want to get in on tonight's conversation and share your own thoughts about fear and the fear-based paradigm of inaction and paralysis and inability to do anything versus what we can be doing to actually affect change in this world, you can, of course, get your comments in on, on the air, 1-800-313-9443, and or you can t tweet your comments to at Corbett Report. And just before the break there, Mark, you were making some comments and observations about what you've seen on the streets there in Argentina. Perhaps you can continue along those lines. Yeah, so I was just like talking like everybody's afraid of each other and uh, I don't think there is any point in that. But uh, just like imagine uh, you live in a competitive world and you have to compete against each other. So you have to uh, I, like, you know, like the way I, I figure like multinational companies, like everybody wants to like step up and they just push everybody down and uh, it's like uh, like a pile of, of human bodies just like, trying to move up and I don't think that's going to make a nice world. So, so I, I think fear is something very important because if you're afraid that you're not the best, you're afraid of um, like um, not accepting the way you are. If you're afraid of like uh, being different or changing things, and uh, then you will just stay there, and you're you'll just be like absolutely limited and all your power. Like uh, you remember, we, like uh, last time I talked about like uh, all the power people have and. When you, when you just stop having fear, then you can exercise that power, and that's very interesting. So, so I just wanted like, to talk a little bit about what, what I think is related to fear. Like, like if we had to study fear, like, oh, what can you say? Well, very easy, just like you're limited, you're, like, you're, you feel like anxious, you feel like a, 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 an anxiety, you feel like your muscles are... Are, are you know like all of, all these people who go to masseurs or who who, who, want, who are trying to do something because they realize actually something is not right, so they they or they go to psychotherapy or 
these kind of things just to keep this the stress level, this anxiety level down because it's like uh, something is not right. That's your body telling you you have to do something about it. And and I, I think there is something interesting there. So um, what else is there in fear? Well, um, the idea that you are not not a uh, I, I I lost that word. Sorry. <laughs> the idea that you're like um, uh, contained. Well, I just said that too many times, and um, so 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 you can you can say like um, what what is 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 what is this fear? What is it like? Uh, can you talk to it? I mean, can you analyze it? Can you get some information from it? Because I think personally, I think my experience tells me, and what I read and listened to is that fear is like a signal. It's trying to tell you something. It's like telling you, uh, pay attention, pay attention, uh, something is not right. Uh, I don't know, what do you think about that? Well, l- let's go back to what I said earlier, that, uh, that there's a paralytic state that, that comes with fear, and I think that's one of the defining hallmarks of fear as opposed to recognition of a problem. But allow me to play devil's advocate for a moment and and argue against the idea that we have to eliminate fear somehow as if we could ever eliminate a human emotion but um but i I think a lot of people have have made the observation that to be well adjusted to such a a fundamentally flawed and and sick society is not a a thing to be proud of i think to have discomfort and unease about what's going on in the world considering there are some very serious problems going on in the world is cannot be a bad thing Thanks for bringing up that point, uh, because you talked about fear being something useful. It is useful, because it's telling us to be careful. I mean, when you're afraid of heights or you're afraid of fire, well, that's a good thing. I mean, you don't want to put your, your fingers in there. You don't want to, like, burn yourself or something. So that's really good. But is, once you know that fire is going to burn you, do you need the fear? So that's my, like, my counter-argument. Do you need that? Fear taught you something. Fear is important. I mean, it's not like... We have to get rid of fear, and uh, fear is like part of you. It, it wants to tell you something. But uh, once you you got the message that fear is telling you, I, I don't I don't see there is any point in having it. So that's the counter argument. In fact, and that's another important underlying factor of what fear is. I mean, fear is generally fear of some unknown quantity. But if you continue to fear a quantity after it is known and and can be prepared for, then then it's really some sort of I don't want to say mental problem, but certainly some sign of ill-adjustment. And, uh, and I think you're exactly right. I mean, fear is dispelled through understanding and knowledge. So, uh, so or in a lot of cases, it, it can or should be dispelled that way. So I think there is something to be learned through, I guess, what you could call fear. But I'd like to go back to my earlier paradigm where it, it, this type of information that's often called fear-mongering to point out the, you know, the types of things that are going on, the, the police state, the economic collapse, etc., I would prefer to think of that as pointing out there is a problem, and it needs the, so we need some, to do something about it. There must be a way to solve the problem. Exactly. So uh, I personally believe that there is a way of getting... Uh, you don't want to get rid of fear, because it doesn't work like that. If you say, I don't want this fear, I don't want this fear, imagine you're afraid of something, or just imagine a situation. If you're not afraid of anything right now, just imagine something you were afraid of, and just think of what it's going to, what's going to happen if you just say, fear, go away, go away. Does it go away? I don't think it goes away. Uh, yes, it gets worse. Well, 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. If you dwell on it, it does get worse, and it's like yeah. steering uh, steering a car into a pothole. If you're looking at the pothole in the road, you're going to steer into it. On that note, we'll have to take another short break, but we already have one caller on the line. If you'd like to get in with your thoughts, 1-800-313-9443. We'll be back with more about fear and uh, our guest, Mark Russell, right after this. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. Feeling ultimate, what does it take for you to live your life right? Do you dream? Can you sleep at night? Why does it feel that you are constantly tested? What does it take for you to live your life right? Do you dream? Can you sleep at night? Welcome back, friends. Welcome back to Corbett Report Radio. I'm here on this Wednesday, uh, sorry, Tuesday evening, Wednesday afternoon for me here in Japan, and we are going over the subject of fear and overcoming fear, dispelling fear, understanding fear, and what can we do about fear. And, of course, we're talking to our old friend Mark Russell, a professor in Argentina, and we already have a caller waiting patiently on the line, and he's been waiting for a while. So, Ryan, thank you so much for your call tonight. Hi, guys. Uh, James Mark. Thanks for taking my call. Um, my, uh, it's more of a comment. I was talking about, I wanted to talk about the evolution of fear. And during the process of becoming aware or quote unquote awake, what most people would say, you kind of go through these seven stages, the seven stages of grief, and eventually you get to the, the, uh, the level of acceptance. And then when you're trying to explain it to others, you know, inevitably you get the, the uh, comment of, well, you know, what are you afraid of? What, what could possibly happen? And, and then when, once you get to the, that acceptance uh, of the truth, it becomes less fearful. And, and, in, and like James said, it, it's be, it becomes more concerning and less fearful. So it's not, not so much as anxiety as it is more of an empowering feel, uh, feeling of exploration and, and, uh, um, a way to uh, perceive, you know, the the, uh, the goings on, as, as so to speak, as, as what's going on in, in, in the world, as opposed to actually being fearful of it. You just more become uh, concerned and want to take action. Well, good points, Mark. What, what, uh, what? To, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, to me, I completely agree with you, and uh, that's the way it works. Because once you you like um, understand what fear is telling you once you like digest it it's gone because it told you what it what it had to do and you're just saying aha this is what what happened so then you just react to it but it's it's a stage right it's like it's like hello hello pay attention do something about me because I, I want to tell you something well it's not like a, a tiny guy in your head I think that's not a good comparison but it's it's sort of or like you could call it evolutionary mechanism or whatever right I don't know if you, what do you think of this? Oh, well, I personally agree. Oh, please, oh, Ryan, I'm go sorry. ahead. No, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I agree. I, I think, and it, I, I think it's a, I think it's a mechanism that, that, um, that for, for people who are immersed in, in, you know, mainstream media and, and the, just the general, uh, status quo, I, I think that those people are, have a, have a very difficult time with kind of uh, breaking through uh, that barrier of, uh, you know, even accepting that there might be something, uh, that have that aha moment to say that there might be something wrong. 
Yeah. So right now, if I may comment on this, right now my my personal opinion is <laughs> the powers that that were, because I don't want to say anymore the powers that be, the powers that were, because I think things are changing. The powers that were are afraid right now, and they're afraid of you and me and of Ryan and of everybody who is listening and of everybody who is just saying, stop it. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> well, let me let me put this out on the table for, for both or either of you to pick up. How about this? So, it, so many people have that same experience that when they first start encountering this information and it breaks through the paradigm of what they've been taught their whole life about, you know, how the world works and they start understanding that there's uh, things to be very concerned about, the initial reaction that most people go through is fear and uh, and almost a type of panic about the, this information. And then as people research more and understand the system better and they understand more what's what's happening and why it's happening and how it's happening and what they can do about it, that fear becomes more of a, a concern about what's going on, as I think Ryan put it quite well. But what what then can we say about uh, the, the ability to use people's fear mechanism as a way to reach out to them in, in, in terms of letting them know about this information? And I'm not saying I think that that's necessarily a good idea, but wouldn't that be the devil's advocate position if people have this inbuilt fear reaction that gets them concerned about something, well, shouldn't you be pushing that fear button to get them to, to respond to this, this type of information? Well, let me, let me yeah. say one thing real quick about that, and I'll let you go, is that I tr- I've tried that, and, um, you know, the, the alarmist kind of, uh, the alarmist position uh, will never work. Uh, grabbing someone by the, uh, the shirt collar and, you know, sh- you know, you know, in, in the, in the not literal sense, but shaking them and saying, why can't you see this? Uh, it doesn't, it will never work. Uh, people will, uh, generally automatically shut off to you. So, uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll let you go on that one and I'll let Mark take, you know, take the rest of that one. But, uh, uh, thanks again for taking my call. Well, thank you, Ryan. I appreciate that. And let me just say, I do agree with you there. I, I don't agree that alarmism is going to win the day. It certainly won't in the long run. I think only information and facts can do that. But, Mark, what's your take? Well, first, Ryan, thanks for all your wonderful comments, because I really appreciate them. And uh, I must say something. I'm here because of fear. Thank you, fear. <laughs> do you understand what I'm saying? Fear is not bad. It's good. It's telling me, it told me at least, that I had to do something, and right now I'm doing this program about fear. That's what I had to do. So thank you, fear. Thank you for for what you helped me with. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't know you. if you. I hear you. I understand that. And and yes, yeah. to a certain extent, my my initial reaction to a lot of this was fear, and it, it told me there was something wrong. There is something to be afraid of. There is some unknown quantity in the world that uh, that uh, my my paradigm at the time couldn't account for and that was what spurred me along to doing the research so yes you're right it's a it's a valid emotion it's a tool that we have it's kind of a detector for something some trouble that may be out there that we have to deal with exactly and uh it might be the fire that, that's just about to burn you when you're a small kid or it might be something quite larger it doesn't matter. It's just there. So you don't want to get rid of fear. This is very important. I mean, if it's a, my opinion is it's a signal and uh, like trying to tell you something like imagine uh, like a guy waving his arms and saying hello, pay attention, hello, pay attention. I want to tell you something. Of course, it's not like that in a literal sense. But you don't want to get rid of fear. You'd want to process fear. And at this moment, I would like to tell you to to give you a tool which I found. I'm not going to sell it. I, that's not the way it works. I'm just going to give it for free. It's very, very simple. It's about accelerating uh, the process of digesting fear. And 
in my in my case it worked very well it's very simple it's based on the scientific method now you don't want to get rid of fear so what do you do you just let it there first thing is you are afraid of let's say i don't know whatever let's just, let's just say i'm afraid of spiders just just to say something so the first thing you do is like um when when you're in in the science and you want to understand something you have to study it so the first thing you want to do is just expose yourself to this fear but you don't have to be next to an actual spider you just can like imagine uh, having a spider close to you like somewhere and then you just you will start getting anxious you will start saying oh or imagine you're afraid i don't know of the new world order imagine you're afraid of the uh, societal collapse and you just say oh i'm afraid for my ch children i'm afraid for my family and I'm, i'm afraid for what might happen to them if everything goes down i don't think that's going to happen the way they want it to be but uh imagine you're afraid of that so what do you do you just uh, let it there you look at it and you just Uh, look at yourself and you don't analyze you just look what is it, what where is this fear what is what is happening to your body what is happening to your uh, what what do you think what is happening to your um emotion how do you react uh, but do not analyze because whenever you are starting to have fear you're just like thinking you're like judging you're um, like oh my god i have to do this and don't think just look at it and then you get all the data you want from fear and you listen to what it has to tell you i don't know if you you sort of get the point i think i do and ultimately i think the point that you're making is one that's understood and has been uh, well well talked about and written about in a lot of uh, circles like even the department of defense and the ooda loop and things like that observe orient decide act there are ways that people for example in fighter jets in in situations where they might be flying you know bombing missions or they might be doing you know midair dogfights or whatever they're trained to react in certain ways so that fear whatever fear they might have at any given moment about their losing their life or whatever is is never overtaken by the training that they're given about how to react in those situations that provoke the fear and there are certain steps that people can take and learn that when they're in a new situation that does provoke that fear that they can still manage to function and do something you know effective but my point is not like to do something to to put fear on the side and get rid of it like oh, i don't like this and i don't want it and i want it to go and what i'm saying is just the opposite i'm saying uh, it's part of you embrace it look at it but don't judge it don't try to understand don't try to like uh, come to a conclusion just just it, this is actually very hard because you have to put your mind on this on the on these sensations and then you just let it and you look at it and you keep looking at this this is sort of like you could so call it mind exercise uh but it, i mean there is like a scientific basis just like uh getting data of of this fear like um trying to to see to feel it like what is it like is it dull is it sharp is it tingling does it make you move so is is something like you know i, I if for some, for a, for a person who has no fears or who is quite relaxed in life this is very hard to understand because it's always hard to put yourself in a different state of mind if you're not in that state but for those people who are like uh, like who are anxious or because of something well the best you can do you write a list of of the things that make you afraid and then you just go item by item and then you just look okay i'm afraid of i don't know the i'm afraid of the societal collapse then you expose you imagine you're in the societal collapse and you just let it there and what happens my heart accelerates my my muscles are starting to and you look at it and uh, then you look at uh, what what is happening what do you start thinking but you don't analyze it you just you just look at it let it go 
And once you 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 get to a point where where everything this fear has told you, you just imagine you're embracing it and you send it love. Which is this is the the very strange part where you are like uh, just like imagine your worst enemy. You're just like hugging him, and that's the idea. It's in it's inside you. That's that sort of. That's sort of the idea, and it works very well, at least to me. Now, I'm not uh, telling you this is going to solve every problem you have. It's just an idea, and you're free to use it. So, so that's it. I I understand what you're saying, and I can appreciate it on a certain level. But let me let me play devil's advocate. Let me uh, push back a bit. So it se- sounds like you're setting up a a fear versus love paradigm, but I uh, I prefer to see it as, as as fear as inaction. Therefore, the opposite is action. That's the way I put the paradigm. Oh, you have to think. You have to. You have to. You made me think. Let me. Let me just. So, for example, for example, yeah. in that yeah, uh, I, yeah. that clip that we played with Iran and Israel, the fear that people might fear uh, have in this situation is that uh, Israel is going to start some sort of bomb raid on Iran, and then Iran will strike back, big war, millions of people dead, all of that. I mean, that might be the fear that's underlying all of this. And, and what really is part of that fear is the, the feeling that this could happen at any time. These people could push a button and we would be at war and people would be dying. There's nothing that can be done about it. The opposite of true. that is the, exactly, yeah. the opposite of that is the idea, well, no, this is something that we can do something about. We can take an action. So like that guy did starting just his online campaign to say, Iranians, we love you. We don't want to bomb you. We don't hate you. And uh, spreading the, the message of love and, and breaking through the, the paradigms, uh, the media paradigm that's been set up to be that dam between the people. That is the opposite of the fear. That is taking something that we are concerned about and we should be concerned about and doing something about it. Actually, now that I thought a bit about it, I think you're, you're right. There is a relationship, but I think there is a relationship to action and I don't know, like uh, the act of just forgiving or just saying, um, "I'm going to ha- I'm going to be together with you because I'm not afraid of you." I think there are there are some relationships with that. Well, uh, exactly right. I mean, I think we have to also be able to differentiate between the things that we can take some sort of action about, do something about, and the things that we cannot. And uh, and so we might think of more trivial examples: people who are afraid of spiders or whatever. I mean, there there isn't necessarily anything you can ever do to to eliminate all spiders from the universe, so you never have to encounter them or whatever. I mean, you'll never achieve that. Please, 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 my mosquitoes, my mosquitoes. Spiders are important because I don't want to be bitten by so many mosquitoes. Please leave the spiders there. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, they 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 serve a useful function, and yet people. And yet people can have that type of morbid fear about them. So I think yeah. there has to be an understanding that there are certain situations where there's nothing that you can particularly do to eliminate that thing that you perceive to be a problem. The best you could hope for is that you manage to change your perception so you understand the spider is important in, in the ecosystem or whatever. But that that might be a bit pie in the sky. That, that There are people who may not be able to do that. But uh, but I think we have to understand at least that there are certain situations where we may not have a, a course of action that we can do. But still, that understanding of the fear itself is a way of overcoming that fear. I think because the fear is based on the unknown quantity of of whatever it is. But once we know and identify and establish what the fear is, I think at the very least we can we can start to understand it and thus not dispel it, but at least uh, diminish its effect. Actually, I, you just reminded me of a quote, which, uh, wait a moment, it's like that. Happiness, in unhappiness, sorry, unhappiness arises when you are not controlling something which you could control and you're, uh, 
trying to control something which you cannot control. And that's very interesting. Can you, can you say that one more time? I'm sorry. Unhappiness arises when you, when you try to control something which you cannot control, or if you try to control something uh, which you... Sorry. Ah, uh, I screwed up. <laughs> okay, let's, let's go for the third and hope for the last time. <laughs> Unhappiness arises when you try to control something which you cannot control. You don't control something which you can control. That sounds about right, doesn't it? It is, to a large extent, about control. And the, the feeling of the loss of control is, is a, lar- a large extent of what fear is about, I think. Uh, actually, I also agree. There is a relationship to control. And... Uh, the other, the other thing, like, so what we talked about uh, where was like the relationship of fear to control, the relationship of fear to love, the relationship of fear. What was the, the other one we, we discussed? Uh, in uh, action, action? In action, action, right. And uh, I, don't, I don't know if there is anything else which, which we could like, think of. The, the, the part of control, which is like, well, this is very, very simple. Like when you're limited, you're like in a bubble and you're not controlling what you could control. So you have to be very afraid. You have to be afraid of this, this World War Three and the Iranian uh, nuclear program. And you have to be afraid of, of, of all this, which are told in the media. And you know what is the best thing you can do? You can turn off your TV. Well, most people here will know this, but you can also turn off your news channels. The, the ones that give you badness, because I don't think that's uh, actually a good depiction of the of the real world. It's not like it's 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 what some people want to make you think. It's not the real world. I'm not tell, I'm not, I'm not talking about like being in a bubble and and not knowing what is going on. But I'm just trying to to tell you that you just get rid of, of fear mongering. What's the point? Well, let's put it this way. I think that uh, certainly people have to have other sources of information than simply the news paradigm, which is all about telling you what to be afraid of or the big thing that's going wrong with the world right now. I think there has to be some other inputs, and I think most people have that, but maybe they don't appreciate them as much. That might be an interesting point to wrap things up on. On that note, let's take another short break, and we'll be back to finish tonight's episode of Corbett Report Radio right after these messages. We're back here in the closing moments of tonight's episode of Corbett Report Radio. Thank you once again for tuning in. Of course, I'm your host, James Corbett of CorbettReport.com. And tonight we've been talking to Mark Russell, a professor of signals processing in Argentina. So, Mark, uh, wrapping up tonight's conversation, I'm not sure there's a a nice way to tie a bow over all of this, but that quote that you uh, read earlier was interesting. It got me thinking along the lines of control and and our ability to uh, to control or not control the situation and how that can play into our frustrations reminded me of uh, the serenity prayer that I think probably a lot of people might know that says, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference, which may be a, a pr- particularly important factor when it comes to the type of information that we're dealing with. But, uh, Mark, how would you like to start wrapping up tonight's conversation? Well, for, well, first I would like to say that's a nice quote you just said. And lastly, well, uh, this is like a huge ball of information. I wouldn't know how to, to put it in a few words. But I, I just want like, to close this, this, this show with, with just a 
couple of thoughts. Like, imagine nobody were afraid. Nobody were afraid of, of terrorism. Nobody were afraid of, of each other. That's a, that's a very hard one. I mean, just imagine, like, uh, you're not afraid of your neighbor. You're not afraid of people robbing you. And I know it sounds a little bit like, um, how do you say this, like... Um, like an utopia, and I really like your program about utopias, and that's very important. I mean, what is the true human nature? That's that's a hard question. I don't know it, but uh, imagine that at least you could like put the fear level low, lower than it is right now, much lower. And um, I think that's that per se, that by itself is a good reason to to do something about it and to start realizing uh, fear is is. Something you you have to listen to, and uh, once once you understand what it has to tell you, uh, things should be much better for everybody. That's my like closing thought. I don't know. Well, I think it's an important point to keep in mind because I think that points back to the one of the underlying themes I think of this this podcast and the broadcast that I do and all of the work that I'm doing, which is trying to foster more of an interaction, more of a community, more of a sense of people coming together to face these problems as uh, as people coming together, not as isolated individuals fake, f- facing this pocket of fear all by themselves, because I think another factor in all of this is thinking that you are all by yourself and that everything is out to get you. I mean, that, that can obviously play into some of the fears. And I think uh, creating communities is another important aspect of this. And uh, you're right, fear stops us from from even interacting with our neighbors or getting to know more about them. And if we can't even do that, how are we going to possibly build the type of system that we want to achieve a, a better world? So I think, it again, once again, change starts at home, and it starts with you facing your own fears in whatever way that may be. And, uh, and there's no simple, you know, one-size-fits-all solution to all of this, but I certainly hope we've managed to provide a little bit of food for thought for people out there. But uh, just in the closing minute here, uh, Mark, do you have any websites or resources you'd like to direct people to tonight? Uh, just, just, just a final comment I would like. You said uh, face your fears. You don't want to face your fears because if you face them, they are in front of you or they are in opposition of you. Listen to what they have to tell you. I, don't, I, I know this is hard for, for somebody to understand who has not had like, big fears or, or who has not like, had these kinds of experiences, but I, I can assure you it works very well. And, uh, yeah, that's like the final comment. I, I, I would well, like to just tell you don't be afraid, people. Don't be afraid. Well, feel your fear. Listen to your fear. Well, your point is yeah, taken, and uh, point, you can yeah. see how it's even how it's even encoded into our language in things like face your fear, which does put up that confrontational image. So, so you're exactly right. We have to interrogate our assumptions at every level. But on that note, we're fresh out of time. Mark Russell, thank you so much for your t- time tonight, as always, and thank you to all of the people out there for listening. Of course, I couldn't do all of this without you and your comments and your feedback, so that's always appreciated. And until tomorrow night, thank you for listening, and take care. <laughs>